Late Night Anger Management Class continues. I am Renzi, level two. This is Sports Rage. The pips, the players, the hustlers, the people at Busto, and everybody else in between throwing it down as we throw it down. The countdown to kickoff uh, is on. Uh, the streets of D.C. are chaos. There's anarchy, and there's still a football game to be played uh, in the nation's uh, capital, and people are betting it. It's sitting at 7.5 right now. It was 8.5 all week. Total 44.5. Seattle Seahawks lay 3.5. The Los Angeles Rams getting healthier. Jared Goff back at practice. Cooper Cup uh, expected to be back, uh, cleared uh, from uh, COVID protocol. Michael Brockers uh, back, and uh, Andrew Whitworth uh, back. The Los Angeles Rams suddenly get a boost of quality talent coming back in preparation for Seattle. And is it money that's coming in on the Los Angeles Rams to move the number to three and a half? I don't know. I don't think so, actually. I don't think so. I think it's the. I think it was just actually the books. Uh, moving the number due to the fact that the Rams are getting healthier. Speaking of moving numbers, the Buffalo Bills and the Indianapolis Colts, the total's down to 51 right now. It was 52 and a half. It keeps on coming down, and we'll tell you why when Ian Cameron rejoins us on the other side about why I think it's coming down, and it's due to people saying, it's going to be cold there. It's going to be cold and windy. It's, oh. uh, once again, we'll repeat, 28 degrees is cold, if you're a lazy troll that's never been outside in your life uh, before, all right? Uh, and in fact, um, you know, professional football, and I like this, though. We see this time and time again. Oh, it's going to be snowing. It's going to be raining. And the numbers come down, and then you step up and in. I don't know. If someone has, a, maybe Babando has a legitimate reason. Why? Besides, I don't want to hear that it's 28 degrees there. I don't care that it's 28 degrees. Talk to me if it was like... Um, like six degrees or something like that. All right. What was what was the temperature when the Bengals played the Chargers? Bengals versus Chargers ice game. Uh, uh, it was called the Freezer Bowl. I watched that game live. All right. That was a cold game. That was cold. All right. Like there was like there was steam. There was steam everywhere. Coldest temperature in NFL history. All right. The temperature was. Uh, Minus 9 Fahrenheit, minus 22. That's cold. But with the wind chill, it felt like it was um, minus 59. Minus 59. Coldest game in NFL history. Chargers lost, of course. We are the first 24-hour network giving you the most extensive fantasy sports and odds coverage of all major sports. Get on the grid. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. As you continue listening to Sports Grid, ask yourself and be honest. Am I listening? Enough. Probably not. 16 hours a day. That's all we ask. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Let me get this straight. You took all the money you made franchising your name and bid it against the Harlem Globetrotters? Uh, I thought the generals were due. He's spinning the ball on his finger! Just take it! Take the ball! That game was fixed. They were using a freaking ladder, for God's sakes. Level 2 continues. 
Hi, I'm Renzi, 19th anniversary show. Shout out to Avery. Kicking it. Great guy, uh, Avery. Uh, in the Avery Sports uh, Show. And um, Avery had a cat. I saw his tweet. I wanted to respond to him, but there's a million things going on, so get a chance to say it now. 21 years, I believe? Wow. That's unbelievable, man. Not a lot of cats live that long, actually. So, uh, yeah, tw 21 years. Most of the cats I have usually pass around the same time, like uh, 10, 12, you know? But I always have, like, street cats and stuff. <laughs> like that probably... I remember the vet told me, he goes, yeah, your cat, man, he goes, his heart, his heart's just coming to an end. I'm like, why? He goes, well, it's just the type of cat he is, you know, it's from the, this he said, you know, you got him from the street, from an alley, and, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's run out of time, but uh, I know, I know it can be tough, so your class act, Avery, our condolences, uh, RIP, uh, so uh, good to see you, Avery, all right, we got Babano in the house, Ian Cameron kicking with us, and Babano, so I don't know if you know about the freezer bowl. I know you like history, Babano. So, yes, yeah, 1981 AFC Conference Championship game between the San Diego Chargers and the Cincinnati Bengals. The game was played on January the 10th, 1982, so just a couple of days away from what would be now. Televised by NBC, Dick Enberg and Merlin Olsen. Great, great team. Great team, Dick Enberg and Merlin Olsen. The game won by the Bengals, 27-7, was played in the coldest temperature in NFL history in terms of wind chill. Air temperature was uh, minus 9 Fahrenheit, which is uh, minus 22 Celsius, which is cold. That is cold. Like, that's a biting, real-ass cold right there. All right? Not like 28 degrees. So, minus 9 Fahrenheit. So, 37 degrees colder, Babano, than what the Bills and Colts will be. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? So, people are, oh, it's going to be cold. That's Buffalo cold. Knows. The freezer bowl was cold. That's cold temperatures. So That's temperatures that can affect a football game. You're right. The Bills, Colts, Sunday, Saturday, those aren't temperatures that will affect it. No. Exactly. The winds at Buffalo, I saw, what, eight miles an hour? Oh, boy. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, guys, you know what the winds were in Cincinnati that day? 23 miles an hour. You imagine? It's like minus nine, and there's 27-mile-an-hour winds blowing that cold around. And, guys, the Chargers, Babano, they were a yeah, ask Dan Fouts. offensive ask team. Dan Fouts. Yeah, ask Dan Fouts how he played in that game. You know, coming from a warm-weather climate in San Diego, having to go to Cincinnati and play. I think he had a terrible game, did he not? He didn't play. The offense didn't work, did it? Well, as I was going to say, Babano, yes. As the, the Chargers were with Eric Coriel, they pretty much invented the, you know what I mean, like the, the explosive offenses that we know. The Chargers were way ahead of the curve. Don Coriel, I don't know how the hell he's not in the Hall of Fame. Um, so, you know, they had Hall of Fame quarterback Dan Fouts, receiver Charlie Joyner, tight end Kellen Winslow, um, Chuck Muncie at running back, James Brooks at running back. You know, just an unbelievable offense uh, that they had. You know who was a rookie wide receiver on that team, guys? Chris Collinsworth. He was on the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Chris Collinsworth. Yeah, was, that's uh, right. Ken I guess Anderson. that right around he would have been young. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Chris Collinsworth, uh, they they so they beat them twenty-seven to seven, and so it was so cold. But get this: so the week before, guys, this is some great football history here. The week before, one of the best NFL games I've ever seen. Right, and I was a kid. You know, I'm a kid at the time, but I'm watching NFL football still, like, religiously, and it was the famous Chargers-Dolphins game. 
Chargers beat the Dolphins 41-38 in a game that set playoff records for most points scored in a playoff game, most total yards by both teams, 1,036, most passing yards by both teams, 809. The game, which just became known, it's known as the Epic in Miami, was played in the heat and humidity of Miami, and the Chargers found themselves dealing with the near exact opposite conditions in the AFC title game. Within one week, the Chargers went playing from an overtime game in Miami in 88 degrees, high humidity weather, to playing in minus 59 Fahrenheit, minus 50 Celsius wind chill in Cincinnati, an effective difference of 147 degrees. Like, that's inhumane almost. Like, you, the body is not suited to go from that kind of transition. 147 degree swing. That's like a point spread swing, Babano. Like 147 yeah. degrees. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? It's like one week, That's it's insane. 88 degrees. And you've probably seen the picture, Babano. And guys, if you're younger, it's famous. There's a picture of Winslow on the Chargers, and he's getting carried off the field by his teammates. I got goosebumps right now. The hair is standing. Um, like, he gets carried off. Like, he can't walk. Like, they're collapsing. Like, they went to overtime, 41-38. It was a back and forth. It was, it's one of the best NFL games ever. And and the Charger players, even though they're from California, the Miami Heat got them. They were, like, collapsing, like, IVs and stuff. And Winslow, Winslow gets carried off the field after one of the most epic games of all time. And then imagine 147-degree <laughs> difference. And then you got to go play in Antarctica the next week. Have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So here's running back special teams. Hank Bauer tested the field conditions. Uh, when I came out of the tunnel, man, the wind, it just hit you like somebody threw 100 knives at you. When he returned to the locker room, he told his teammates, whatever you got on, take it off. Number one, you won't be able to move with all the layers. Number two, it ain't going to help. <laughs> so the Bengals <laughs> offensive line, the Bengals offensive line played the entire game with bare arms. A number of the teams played with bare hands as well. They placed hot water bottles inside their cups, athletic supporters, and between plays, they walked around with their hands in their pounds, which people found amusing. No one knew. That's unbelievable. They put hot water bottles with their nuts in their jock strap and then put their hands in their balls during the game all day. It was so cold that icicles started to uh, form on Dan Fouts's beer during the game. Like, that's cold. <laughs> that's cold. That is. Wow. That's unbelievable. That, that, that's, uh, yeah, an over-under number of icicles on Josh Allen's face on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take the uh, under. Put it all on the under. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for the record, man, yeah, the final score was 27-7. 27-7, Cincinnati Bengals. And then subsequently, the Bengals uh, went on to the Super Bowl and lost to the San Francisco 49ers. They actually lost twice to the Niners in a kind of span of a couple of years. Um, and this is pretty crazy. And I spoke to Forrest Gregg about this. May he rest in peace. As a side note, Cincinnati head coach Forrest Gregg had already participated in one of the coldest games in NFL history prior to this one. When he was a player for the Green Bay Packers, Gregg played in the famous NFL championship game against the Cowboys and became known as the Ice Bowl. Uh, another side note is that Brooks, whose fumble helped the Bengals win the game, would later uh, go on to help the Bengals get the Super Bowl, get to the Super Bowl. All right, this time not as an opponent, but uh, as, uh, as um, 
um, as a member of the team. So you're pretty crazy stuff. And imagine this, Babano. So, all right, both Winslow and Ken Anderson said that the wind chills effect was so brutal they affect the effects decades later. Winslow's noting that he suffers from residual impact of frostbite in one of his toes. Anderson, because his hands turn cold and numb much more quickly in cold weather now than they did before that day. According to special teams coach Hank Bauer, this is sucks, Babano, the Chargers return flight to San Diego was delayed for over three hours due to ice buildup on the plane. <laughs> you lose the NC Conference Championship game, and you got to go back to California, you got to sit in an, a frozen plane while they try to de-ice your ass for three hours. Yeah, yeah, what a day. Yeah, there's the little history of the freezer ball. So next time somebody tells you, oh, it's going to be cold in Buffalo on Saturday, you tell them about the freezer ball. More with a panel on the other side. Late night anger management class. Matias right now in LA and Hawaii. He's shaking. He's scared. He's like, oh my God, that's cold. Bring it. You're listening to the home of the winning edge. It's easy to get. Just keep it here. Get on the grid. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The Sports Grid TV Network is a new streaming video sports channel for you. Dedicated to serving the massive fantasy sports and wagering audience, Sports Grid TV is live, free on Sling TV, with real-time data and expert commentary featuring Pat McAfee, Scott Farrell, Gabe Marinci, Pro Football Doc Dr. David Chow, NFL Insider Adam Kaplan, and more. Simply download the Sling TV free app and go to the sports channels to watch Sports Grid and get the winning edge. That's Sports Grid TV, free on Sling TV. You know what? Uh, we'll get to this with the panel's picks, but I love this football history. And part of our history actually is the city of Montreal and the Olympic Stadium. And talking about one of the coldest games ever as well. Um, so the Olympic Stadium, uh, the, the Olympic Stadium in the 1977, the 65th Grey Cup. And, um, you know, it's pretty much you know, also one of the, the craziest sort of cold weather games ever. So although Olympic Stadium in Montreal was designed to have a retractable roof, the roof was not added until 1987. Now, we can get into that because there's actually a mob special called uh, Bad Blood on Netflix about the fleece job <laughs> that went on. It's part of it. They just sort of threw it in the storyline like, oh, yeah, we made like $100 million building the Olympic Stadium. So the Olympic Stadium is the most expensive stadium ever built, and it's a pile of crap, but it's special to me. But uh, nevertheless... So the stadium was an open-air facility in November 1977. It's common and in late November. Montreal received a fair amount of snow. Uh, stadium crews put salt on the field to melt the snow, but when the temperature dropped on game day, the snow turned into a sheet of ice. The game was marred by several fumbles and otherwise routine snaps. This is what's genius. The Alouettes, however, had a competitive advantage. They affixed staples to the bottom of their sneakers to get traction. The Eskimos, using standard football cleats, never found uh, their footing on the icy AstroTurf, which had a carpet-like texture, unlike modern artificial uh, turf systems. Uh, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty crazy that they came up uh, with staples. They came up with uh, staples, actually, 
to put on their shoes. Tony Proudfoot, Alouette defensive back, largely responsible for uh, coming up with the idea. Uh, we had our 25th anniversary reunion on the team, which beat um, uh, Edmonton in a so-called Staples game. I was asked about it again. It was icy cold, and it had been a big snowstorm and a transit strike. Fans walking all the way from downtown to the stadium. The field was a skating rink. Guys were trying different kinds of footwear, broom ball shoes, and all kinds of things. All week, we'd been thinking of what kind of shoes to wear. We knew it would be slippery, and nothing was working. On a frozen field, a lot of players like to wear broom ball shoes, but they don't, don't work very well. Another alternative, because the field was so hard, was screw-on cleats. But nobody really used those anymore. They were unavailable. We tried glass, uh, grass cleats, AstroTurf cleats. Nothing worked. I experimented during the week. I even thought about putting nails through my shoes. But on game day, a bunch of guys settled on using steel cleats. Before the warm-up, I noticed a guy uh, walking around setting up the TV stuff with a staple gun. A light bulb went off. He goes, I've tried everything, but I never tried staples. I put staples in my shoes. And uh, then a couple of other guys did. We looked at each other and said, wow, this is it. And then next thing, about 12 guys. By halftime, three-quarters of the team had staples in their shoes. <laughs> oh, what a great, that's just ingenious. And one quick story about Tony Proudfoot, guys. Uh, football player in the Canadian Football League, played for the Montreal Alouettes. And those Edmonton Eskimo teams were great. Um, you know, Ward Moon, those guys won like four or five uh, championships in a row at one point. Um, but Tony Proudfoot became a, a teacher at, at Dawson College. And there was a shooting, a school shooting, unfortunately. Guy tried to, like, murder, like, the students and showed up with a gun. And unfortunately, some people did die. And while the bullets were still flying, the bullets were still flying, man. There was a girl that got shot, and she's lying in the middle of the street outside the school. And Tony Proudfoot, a professor, ran out onto the street and picked her up and saved her life while the bullets were flying. And then, unfortunately, he died after he had a disease. So I just wanted to... Uh, Say he's a great man, Tony Proudfoot. May he rest in peace. So, uh, there's some cold weather, cold weather history games uh, right there, uh, Babano. Uh, so, it will not be cold uh, in Washington on Saturday, um, and the number has come down. Tampa Bay minus seven and a half, total 44 and a half. Here's a game, Babano, that everyone I talk to, not one person says, "Oh yeah, Tampa are going to murder them." Everybody, everybody we talk to thinks uh, thinks uh, Washington can hang around in this game. I think it's a Washington. I think it's a Tampa Bay wins the game, but Washington might cover the game. I, I'm not strong on Washington, but I'm reluctant to lay more than a touchdown too. I mean, I may not be as gung ho on Washington as some other people, but we've seen it this year. The pattern with Brady and the Buccaneers offense, which admittedly has played well down the stretch, and Antonio Brown's gotten it going as well uh, the last couple of weeks. I mean, they're in good form right now, but they've still got to answer the question against a defensive front that can truly get after it and wreck havoc in the line of scrimmage. Can they handle that? They've not been able to handle that. Look at all the teams they've lost to this year. Those teams with above-average defensive fronts that can get pressure on quarterbacks. The Rams gave them trouble. The Saints gave them trouble. And Washington's got a defensive line, and it's the strength of their team on either side of the ball for Ron Rivera's team. That's the best unit they have, and it's the unit you need to be strong when you're facing Tom Brady. So that's absolutely a concern for me here. Uh, laying more than a touchdown in this game. I mentioned the stat about uh, teams that are 500 or worse uh, in the wild card round. They've been excellent bets. They haven't failed to cover a number. And you know why that is? They feel, you know what, we're we're the team that was won the NFC least. Everybody's talking about how, you know, we shouldn't be here. We want a bad division. You know, that's going to be brought up probably as, you know, fodder to, for Washington going into this game today. 
Let's show people that we are a legit team. We are a playoff team. There's something about Alex Smith coming back, you know, from his injury that I think has gotten everybody on this Washington team fired up. They want to go out there, play well. Terry McLaurin came back from injury and he had a touchdown in the win against the Eagles last week. That's a significant boost to the offense. Cam Sims has really stepped up at the receiver position as well. Uh, Alex Smith's a capable quarterback. It's dangerous, in my opinion, Gabe, to lay more than a touchdown. I, I would lean Washington to – I think it's a Bucks win the game, but Washington covers kind of game. I think it's a close one. And I lean under yeah, the total as well. Yeah, it's a low number, though, but it's sort of correlated, right? You can't – you know, Washington are in trouble if this thing turns into a track meet. But um, I like Chase Young a lot. I like his attitude. I like Montez Sweat a lot. I like their defense a lot, and I like their swagger and confidence. So, basically – Chase Young said earlier in the week, uh, he tweeted, Tom Brady, I'm coming for you. And Tom Brady uh, says, uh, commented today, says, uh, you know what? He went to Ohio State. I went to Michigan. So naturally, I think it's an Ohio State-Michigan thing that's wearing off on him a little bit. <laughs> I understand that. We're prepared for a tough challenge. Should be a fun game. Um, and I don't think it has anything to do with Ohio State and Michigan, bro. I think it has everything to do with Washington and Tampa. <laughs> and I think it has everything to do with Chase Young wanting to win a playoff game and make a name for himself. But, you know, Bruce Arians, he knows what he has coming um, here. Uh, but, Banner, Bruce Arians says, uh, man, these kids from Ohio State, Chase Young, him and Terry McLaurin are great players. He's a handful. So is Montez Sweat. So is Deron Payne. The rest of those guys, Ryan Kerrigan, I've got a ton of respect for them for a long time. We're going to have our hands full. Bruce Arians knows, bro. They're not taking it lightly. They know this defense can be fierce, man. And they're 5-1 and one, Washington with Alex Smith as the starting quarterback. And put it this way, you really want to lay – like I understand if you want to play Tampa in a teaser. I think that that's a solid way to go. But you really want to lay more than a touchdown on the road against a defense that seven straight games they've held opponents to 20 points or less. You know, 20 points or less in seven straight games allowed by this Washington defense. So that means you, <laughs> that's difficult a team to build a margin against. Um, I wouldn't be laying it with Tampa here. Uh, one thing we will say, listen, Tampa's offense has started to light it up over uh, uh, 4-0 since their, their week 13 bye. They've scored 26, 31, 47, and 44 points along the way. But this is a different defense. And as you know, Babano, and I know too, looking at props, and we'll, we'll hit this. Actually, you know, I thought we were, I still, we got a little couple minutes before the break. But um, looking at their defense, Babano, how many quarterbacks threw for more than 200 yards on Washington this year? Not a lot. Like, they they really did shut people down. Like, it's not, it's not a joke like this team as far as what they can do defensively. Uh, what, listen, Tampa have more talent. I get it. So, look at it. All right. So, they held Philly to 119 pass yards. Everyone wants to cry about Jalen Hurts, dude. He was 7 to 20 for 72 yards. Um, Carolina, 197 yards. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, well, that's just Philadelphia. How about this, Babano? When they played uh, the Seattle Seahawks, bro, they held them to 121 yards. Russell Wilson, passing. San Francisco, 260. Pittsburgh threw for 305 on them because they were trailing. Dallas, 215 on Thanksgiving. Cincinnati, 233. Detroit put up 276 on them once. The Giants, 212. Dallas, 114. Giants, 112. Rams, 309. Baltimore, 208. Cleveland, 156. You get the pattern here, Babano and everybody. You know, quarterbacks don't light these guys up very often. No, no, they don't. And it's, the key has been the pass rush. I think their secondary play 
uh, this year has been better as well than anticipated. And they've been able to keep themselves in a lot of games. And you look at Washington, too. Another thing that they've got working in their favor is they've been in a lot of close games this year. A lot of their games have been tight. A lot of their games have been one-possession games. This is probably, or at least not has a good chance to be another one possession game. You know, they're used to that kind of situation. And you look at these last several Washington games, six-point game, eight-point game, five-point game, yep, seven-point yep, game, yep. six-point game. I mean, they just haven't been blown out very often. So, uh, like I say, uh, the, the last yeah, time exactly. they, they wouldn't cover this number is in week five. They lost to the Rams, but Jared Goff sucks, and he threw for 309 yards that day. But I know he sucks. Uh, all right, more of a battle on the other side. Late night anger man, the past continues. Bring it. To be honest, we should come with a warning label. Caution. 24 hour sports talk. May cause mild addiction. Get on the grid. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. With football season in full swing, there's no better place to play fantasy football than on FanDuel. Season long fantasy can be frustrating with injuries and role changes turning studs into busts. But in daily fantasy, that's not a concern. FanDuel Fantasy is an easy to use app that allows you to pick a new roster every game and compete for cash payouts. A new team every week means your fantasy season is never over. Plus, it guarantees that Sunday is always the most exciting sports day of the week. Right now, FanDuel is offering users the chance to play for free this NFL season. No deposit required. Just sign up, and FanDuel will give you a free entry to a contest each week of the football season where you can win real prizes. Plus, for those folks who want to deposit, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with their 20% deposit match. Go to FanDuel.com or download the FanDuel Fantasy app to play now. Eligibility restrictions apply. FanDuel. More ways to win. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Believe it or not, you can listen too much to us. I mean, Get to know your family again. Did you know your wife cries herself to sleep every night? That's what she told us. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. You want some of this, don't you? Yeah! Well, you need to know the winners. And I know the winners. So call me now. Whoa! $5 for the first minute. $2 for each additional minute. You have reached the coach's hot line. Line. Yeah, lay it on me, coach. In the game of my MBE mm-hmm. versus Sin. Cincinnati. Sin. Cincinnati. Not. Cincinnati. Come on, come on. Don't you realize this is costing me money? Late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Moretzi. We're throwing it down. Ian Cameron kicking with a sports pub uh, radio uh, in the house. Uh, it was cool going down uh, memory lane um, as far as. Um, uh, so, oh, 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 we've got, uh, <laughs> we've got some, uh, I see I'm, um, I'm in deep space nine mode uh, right now. I go, I went into hologram mode into our video feed. If you can, uh, Mateus, uh, let's go into uh, audio and we'll reset. <laughs> Although I think, I think I look pretty cool actually uh, like that. I actually think I look pretty cool. It's very, very Star Trek-ish. I like it. It's very, very alien-like. So, Ian Cameron kicking You us. know what? I you like, look uh, like... I'm seeing this on the YouTube feed. You look like Zordon yeah. from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, that floating head talking to the Power Rangers and giving them their next assignment. 
That's exactly. <laughs> Power Rangers, you must defeat Rita. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what you, exactly. that's what you look like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, when I'm dead, I'm thinking about that. Like, you know, I, I should live in hologram form. Just do the show. Just have my head sort of floating like that and make some cool graphics. It actually looks pretty cool. It actually looks pretty cool. <laughs> when I look at it, I'm like, you know what? I could just leave it. It looks cool, but I don't want everybody saying, oh, am I stoned? What's going on here? Why is Marenzi's head, like, in space? But it actually did look good. <laughs> so, it, yeah, exactly. Corey Cardo's that I'm talking about. Red Dwarf. Exactly. Polly. Red Dwarf was just ahead. <laughs> he would give the assignments. He would say, all right, he was just ahead, but he was dead, but it, he was alive still. Just his head was alive, like in a TV screen. And he would just, he would come on a couple of times a day. He talked to him for a couple of minutes, and he turned himself off, <laughs> you know. Red Dwarf is a great. Yeah, before show. we before, before we close the book on the uh, Washington Tampa game, I, I got it because I looked this up during the break because I wanted to because I said this is a good matchup for Washington's defense. They're fourth in sack percentage in the NFL. They're sixth in the NFL in sacks per game. Their defense, in terms of their pass defense, they're third in the NFL in lowest completion percentage allowed to opposing quarterbacks, sixty-two point three eight percent. Only Pittsburgh and New Orleans have allowed a, a, a less completion percentage to opposing quarterbacks than Washington and, and opposing passing yards per game to uh, pa- opposing offenses. They've allowed the second fewest uh, in the NFL, 191.8 passing yards per game. So those are all this. That's the profile right there to a T of a team that might put themselves defensively uh, in a position to maybe upset Tom Brady. No, you're exactly right, Babato. They do a lot of things, exactly. Now, listen, all right, uh, and uh, as far as our crew is concerned, we're locked and loaded, we're ready to go. We're coming back in time. It's like we space time travel here. Actually, I do like the future. You know what, uh, Matthias? We actually need to look into this. We need to have, like, uh, psychedelic nights. You know, one, one night a week where we just sort of will come up with something crazy and we'll put my head on top of, like, I don't know put my head on Homer Simpson's body or something. <laughs> hey, everybody. Just put my head on top of Krusty the Clown. Psychedelic rage. Um, all right, so. Yeah, they really do. Look, man. Dude, 47 sacks on the season. 16 interceptions. They're very opportunistic. I love the fact that you brought it up earlier, Babano, and so did I, as far as losing teams. Teams that have a chip on their shoulder going into the playoffs. They fared very well. I mentioned it, guys. Uh, the last four teams... The last five teams that were eight and eight in the playoffs went four and one straight up. So the Bears are eight and eight. I don't know if they're going to win. I'm just saying. So like everyone discounts them. And and of course the last two times that a seven win team made the wild card game, everybody laughed at them. They won the game outright. So and I know it's a tough task. I get it. It's real tough. You're going against Tom Brady. Tampa's offense is starting to dial it up right now. But man, Washington's defense can can keep them in this game and. McLaurin's a hell of a player. Uh, Gibson's a good back. Like, it doesn't take much. A couple of plays here, a couple of plays there, and they're in this game, Babano. Yeah, I completely agree. I I, 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 I was leaning Washington all week long, and uh, I'm talking myself more into it. Uh, And uh, to be honest with you, there's a popular. There's a lot of teams that are popular among people I've talked to for teasers. The Bills are one. The Bucks are one. 
The Steelers are another. Personally, for me, the, the teasers I'm looking for are Bills and Steelers. I think Bills and Steelers is a pretty good teaser. I wouldn't want to put the buck, be rushing to put the Bucks on a teaser. I, yeah. I think they're going to have their hands full with this Washington team. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. So you and I both know the bad, and we talk about it every week. It's 23 and 6 now uh, with Tannehill, 23 and 6 to the over. It's 54 yep. and a half. It hasn't moved. Has it moved? I don't see how, you know, I, you know, I like Baltimore to win the game, and I like the over. I like Baltimore and the over. There's no nothing to tease here. I'm not going to tease Baltimore to plus four. You know, and I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with teasing it down to 47 and a half, you know, if you want a little bit of comfort there. But I do think there's going to be points, and I think Baltimore scores more points than Tennessee does. I like Baltimore to win the game, and I like the over, Babano. So I've heard people trying to say to me, you know, now the Tennessee totals, someone was saying to me, they're getting too high now. They can't keep going over like this. We're talking 54. They've been the same all the time. So I countered, so I countered that argument to this person by saying, okay, 58 and a half against Houston last week, 79 points scored. 53 total against Green Bay, 54 points scored. 53 and a half total against Detroit for Tennessee, 71 points scored. And I can go on and on and on. It doesn't matter yep. that these Tennessee totals are in the mid-50s. They're flying over the total the majority of the time. And you mentioned it, 23-6 and six to the over since Tannehill replaced Mariota the first half of last season. It's an offense that's now got the passing component with Tannehill. And to be honest, he's not scared to run with it either. The fact that defenses have to be honest in terms of his ability to run with the football as well. So everything's open for Tennessee uh, on the offensive side of the football. I like what Baltimore's defense is playing, but I don't think they're shutting down this Tennessee offense. I know they're a good defense. Uh, Wink Martindale's done a good job coordinating that group that they battled through injuries on that side of the ball and played well down the stretch. But you shut down the Cincy offense, the Giants offense, and the Jacksonville offense, you know, in your last three games that so, look so good for this Baltimore defense. They're not going to shut down completely Tennessee. But on the flip side, Baltimore's offense will probably run amok, literally uh, and figuratively, over Tennessee's defense. Jackson, Dobbins in the run game. And don't look now, but Jackson is improving as a passer. And it's not like the Tennessee secondary is offering up any sort of resistance. There's going to be plays to be made throwing the football, and I have seen progression. I have seen improvement. To me, Wild Card Weekend is a big statement weekend for two quarterbacks in particular, Josh Allen of the Bills and Lamar Jackson of the Ravens, guys that are looking for that first playoff win, that have tasted disappointment and dejection following a, you know multiple playoff games in the past. This is their chance to right the wrongs, get the job done. I think Lamar Jackson and the Ravens do that in a high-scoring game, so I'm with you here. Ravens and over for me. How about this, guys? So since Lamar Jackson's come back from COVID, 5-0 and ATS and straight up, Ravens averaging 37.2 points per game. Then you're going to hear people, oh, yeah, but did you see their schedule? Yeah, exactly. They're playing Tennessee's defense, who aren't great, as we know. <laughs> right, so uh, and it, so what's, what's going to be different? Um, Lamar Jackson, 0-2 in the playoffs. 0-2 in the playoffs, so he hasn't won in the playoffs uh, before. Um, yet, I think this is where he gets his, uh, his first playoff win. I'm taking the Ravens here, guys. All right, so I tell you what, um, the Chicago Bears, pretty crazy, Babano. People don't really realize this. I know you do, but Mitch Trubisky, 6-3 as a starter. 
six and two before the Green Bay game, and the Packers needed that game. And I don't think anyone's beating Green Bay in the NFC, anyways. So I don't hold it against the Bears. But how about this, guys? Uh, with Trubisky as a starter, the Bears averaged twenty-eight point three points per game. I never would have guessed that, Babano. I never would have said that. That is that's that's absolutely stunning to be. The, I've got issues with Chicago though coming into this game. They're another team, Marenzi. They fall into that, you know, eight and eight or worse team that is undefeated ATS in the wild card round. We talked about it with Washington. Chicago fits into that same uh, betting angle as well coming up on Sunday. But I don't trust Chicago as much as I trust Washington because you can't blindly bet this thing. Part of the reason I think it works okay for Washington is because I think the, they match up pretty well with Tampa, or at least match up decently with the with the Bucks. I don't know if I believe that with the Bears. The Bears secondary was ravaged with injuries last week. Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers picked it apart. I worry about that against the Saints here uh, in this game, and I worry about Trubisky and the offense a little bit. I think they'll move the ball. I think they will put up some points, but last week was probably the best defense they had faced in weeks. This is another team that had really feasted on some bad bottom feeder defenses before yeah, they played yeah. Green Bay last week. They played Jacksonville, Minnesota, Houston, Detroit. There's not a good defense in that group. And those were all the teams that Trubisky and the Bears put up all those gaudy numbers and big points against. They played Green Bay last week, struggled a bit. Trubisky made some mistakes. I worry about that. Nevertheless, another Chicago game went over the total. So I am going to go over the total yes. uh, in this game. Yes. But I'm I'm staying off the Bears here. You know, you read my mind, but bad on. I'm not, you know, I you know, I, I'm not gonna say I'm staying off the Bears. I might I might bite the bullet and just say, you know what, maybe I'll take them on a teaser actually, plus the 16 and a half or something like that. But I'm with you as far as the total. I've heard a few people say, you know what, this is oh, it's gonna be a low scoring game. That's the game that goes under the number. And I'm not so sure. You know, New Orleans are pretty effective, guys, right? They're going to score the Saints. And and as we stated, I think the Bears are going to surprise people a little bit, at least and not get shut down completely. Like, you know, what is the, how many points? What's the team total for the Bears? Let me look it up here. But I, how many points do you think the Bears can get? I think they can get 20, 23. Is that too ambitious? You know, like I, I think it I think, goes over. I think, I think this here's, game goes over. The way I see it, yeah. The way I see it, Gabe, I think the Saints get to twenty-eight, thirty-one. Can you get twenty-one out of Chicago? If you can, the game will go over the total, in my opinion, and I think that's possible. That's what it is, Babano. Seventeen and a half. I think the Bears can go over seventeen and a half. I think their defense will pop one. You know what I mean? Their defense will come up with one play along the way. Some One thing is, though, no Rokon Smith, man. That's that's a big thing, too. And as you stated, you can't just blindly bet this stuff out of hope. But I'm just stating, and I brought it up, as far as the total is concerned, I think it goes over to 47.5, and, and that bear total at, at 17.5 might be a little light, and, and the Saints total might be a little light at 29.5 as well. All right, how about this, guys? So Cleveland... Uh, Cleveland and uh, and Pittsburgh, we talked we talked about it all week last week, and oh, you can't do it even no 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 no. We took Pittsburgh and it covered again against these guys, but Ben Roethlisberger, twelve and 0, tw- 12 and zero in his career, straight up at home against the Cleveland Browns. 
Eight and four against the spread. Uh, it's been one of the more dominant runs in NFL history. And, of course, there's a lot of unknown stuff around Cleveland. But one thing we do know is that they're morons. So, Jedrick Willis and Rashard Higgins have been cited for drag racing. They were drag racing last night. Good stuff, guys. Way to prepare for your first playoff game in 19 years. Yeah, not two months ago, three months ago. Last week they were doing that. There's a pandemic going on out there. It's catchy. It's called The Winning Edge. And the only place you can get it is right here. Get on the grid and stay there. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Don't think of us as a place to just hear sports talk. Think of us more as an all-you-can-listen buffet of live odds, lines, matchups, injury reports, and news you can use. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. So we're just talking about the Saints game going over. Listen, the Bears team total, guys, 17 and a half. Uh, they averaged 28 points a game with Trubisky, and I get it. Uh, you talk about some of those defenses, but he did start nine games, and he averaged 28 points a game through the nine games. And they will be trailing as well. Like, New Orleans are good. Michael Thomas is going to be back. The Saints aren't going to be screwing around. Um, they're good. The Saints can score, and it's a playoff game. They're going to be all business. So the Bears are going to be trailing, which leads to uh, garbage points, uh, right? So I like the uh, I like that team total over with the Bears, 17 and a half. And I'm not saying the Bears cover the number, but I do think the game goes over. I don't like that Bears over 17 and a half, and I think the Saints can go over 29 and a half as well. So, uh, Babano, we got like two minutes uh, here. We can't keep you all night. We appreciate your time. Uh, we'll catch up with you on uh, Sunday night for the opening uh, line report and the, the championship game breakdown. But... Um, what, what about the Steeler game right now? Uh, Babano with Stefanski. And as I went into the break there, Higgins and Willis, drag racing. Higgins said, oh, I was just trying to get away from COVID. Get away from COVID. You're playing in a playoff game this week, you idiot. That's getting away from COVID. But whatever. No one ever said that NFL players were the smartest guys in the world. Uh, give me, you know, I think the Steelers win, as you talked about. I don't really want well, They probably cover the six. I think Cleveland will fall apart. But give me the Steelers. I'll have them in Moneyline parlays and teasers, Babano. Yeah, I, you know, early in the week, and I've said I wanted to bet against both of these teams. I said that with you on Sunday. I'm disappointed they're playing each other. I kind of wanted to fade both of them. But now you see everything that's going on off the field with Cleveland. The COVID issues are resurfacing. Kevin Stefanski's got it. Uh, it's just a complete – it's a distraction. It just disrupts your preparation for the game, and you got to travel a little bit as well. I mean, it's just – not the time for all of this to be going on, and that's worrisome. Pittsburgh's won seven straight, 17 straight home games against Cleveland, 11-6 and six against the spread in those games. I, I don't want to lay the six with Pittsburgh, but I'll put them in the other leg of the teaser here with Buffalo. That's my big teaser this week, uh, Buffalo and Pittsburgh, two-team six-point teaser. I think they both win the game, and I'm a lot more comfortable just asking them to win the game rather than laying the points. Bobano, uh, sports race late night continues. Bring it. Come on. Admit it. You do your own play-by-play in your head when you play horse. Don't you? <laughs> you do you, bro. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network.